Hello there, everyone. You're listening to Spoiler Alert, a weekly top radio show for TV and movie lovers. I'm your lady host, eh, Sonia Stanger, and with me is my Canuck across the boards, Sean Dunham. Oh, no, Sonia. I can't be doing this. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can't be doing this accent. It just kind of happened. It just came out of me. But it's good. This week, it was Canada Day. <laughs> this it, week, it was. It was. <laughs> and, um... I mean, I'm not here to say that we endorse the colonial nation, nation state that is Canada. No, that's... Or that's a celebration of the creation of that nation state. No, yeah, yeah. But we love fireworks in this family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think... Uh, so here we are to talk about Canadian movies. Yeah. Not so much in honor of Canada Day, just as in light of it. Just as people that reside in Canada... Mm-hmm. That here also we are. happen to make film. Right. And we're going to talk about it, because it seemed relevant. It does. Uh, Now, the show is called Spoiler Alert, so you should know that a spoiler alert is in full effect. Otherwise, you might find out uh, that we live on stolen lands. Ooh. Ooh, spicy. Normally, we spoil a film, but I thought I'd just, you know... Spoil IRL. Spoil life. Uh, So, Sean. Yeah. We talked about this a bit last year, but I Should we mention that Jeremy's not here? Oh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I just gloss right over it. This is normally a three-person show. Yes. Uh, you know, a three-pronged operation. Yes, like but, a trident. But, uh, you know, this this week, I almost said this year, this week, <laughs> uh, we're Sans Jeremy. We are Sans Jeremy. So, Jeremy, wherever you are, if you're listening, we miss you. Roll up a rim for us. <laughs> Have a double-double on us, eh? <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. Sean, now that we've established that it's just the two of us here in the booth. Cozy. Cozy. What makes a film Canadian? Well, um, at its simplest terms mm-hmm. and its most convenient definitions. <laughs> okay. It's a brain. Just kidding. It, uh, well, I think we've, if listeners that might have a memory of last year, mm-hmm. we a little bit covered this, but there is a, a system. Uh-huh. Kind of like a three-pronged assault, like us. Yeah. Except there's more. Yeah. But it is like, it's a series of points that it's like, if the director is Canadian, mm-hmm. if the funding is Canadian, mm-hmm. if how many of the lead actors are mm-hmm. confirmed themselves as Canadian. What is the other situation? Location? No. It's, it's like, it's director, uh, screenwriter, lead actors, I think like production designer, mm. um, editor, there's maybe a couple more. Cinema, like a director of photography. Yeah. yeah. So those like very, um, you know, surface make things a Canadian film. Yeah. But there, there's a lot of ephemeral like Canadianness to some things, which right. I've watched. And sneaky Canadians week. in things, oh, which I yeah. always love. Um, this is. I actually took one of Jeremy's suggestions from last year mm-hmm. and got myself on the National Film Board website. Yes. Which is such a great resource. Right. And there's just free films all for the taking. So many different kinds, too. Of which I watched one of them this year, or this week. Why can't we not get our time this week? What? Where are we? When are we? Who are we? Is it a year? Is it a month? Well, I mean, this is actually a bit relevant to Canadian film because there is a certain essence of Canadianness in a Canadian movie often. And it does have a tendency to feel... A little dated, maybe. Yeah, I we we have a folksiness in everything, mm-hmm. a bit of a, a a sweetness, a charm, a charm that does seem to be a, a day a, from the yesteryear. I don't know what is like. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say. Well, okay, so I was there's looking, a graininess to our film. I was like just googling around, like, okay, what are considered like the best Canadian films? And I found this list that TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, your friend TIFF, my friend TIFF, she's cute. <laughs> she assembled it. She's yeah. a film fan. Um, <laughs> she every it, once a decade she reevaluates a list. Yeah. Um, of the top ten Canadian films of all time. Right. Um, so the most recent one was in 2015. Um, should I just read what they are? Let's Maybe? do it. Let's see where we're at. Okay, so number one, which yes. is a, this is a film we talked about last year, Adin Arjuat, The Fast Runner, mm-hmm. one of the first and only in Inuk films. Um, Mon Oncle Antoine, number two. And that one has been about. 
that one is from 1971. Right. So it's been around. It's been around the block. The Sweet Hereafter, which we talked about last year, which is Adam Igoyan mm-hmm. uh, from 97. Jesus of Montreal, a Denny Arcand film from 89. Leolo uh, from 1992. Going Down the Road from 1970. Dead Ringers, which is a David Cronenberg movie from 88. Uh, Crazy C-R-A-Z-Y from 2005, which keen-eared listeners may remember was our The Game from yeah. last year's Canadian movies And is that one the episode? newest one on the list? So uh, it's the third newest. Um, slightly newer than that is My Winnipeg, which is the Guy Madden documentary mm-hmm. um, from 2007. And then Stories We Tell, Sarah Pauly's uh, documentary, is from 2012, and that's a tie for 10th. With 1974's the Les Ordres. So only one, two, three, only four of those ten movies, actually 11 movies, are from 2000 or later. So I was thinking, like, okay, a lot of these are older. Yeah, we do a nostalgia. And a lot of them I haven't heard about, which, like, some of which is on me. Yes, although I feel like a lot of it is... Um like, there's a high number of French films French films, yeah. French-Canadian films. Um, which I feel like French cinema seems to be kind of self-sufficient or, like, thriving in its own. Like, they make film for just... <laughs> for them to watch. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I feel like the rest of Canada kind of is tr- tries to break out into a bit more of a mass market. Yeah, like, kind of integrates into America. Yeah. The Ryan Reynolds effect, if you will. But Quebec, as we know... Likes to keep things... They're doing their own thing, and they're producing their own films. Yes. But yeah, that did strike me a little bit. Like, I feel like... And maybe this is wrong, and I would love for listeners to reach out and tell us if we're wrong on this. I don't feel like there is a huge number of groundbreaking, fresh Canadian films out here that we're hearing about often, unless you're really looking for them. I feel like the pivotal thing of that is that w- films that we are seeing exactly I, where they are yeah i believe who sees them i'm sh- i'm certain that they're all being made right um but it's just they're not hitting theaters near us or if they are there it's being it's it's in it's out yeah now Maybe the rpl, RPL, film, RPL theater, film theater we both we're both on. thinking of it um is one place where it'd be good and like i think this is something i talked about last year i'm thinking about it again this is maybe something I need to make more of a priority in my life is like seeking out and supporting Canadian filmmakers. But I, yeah, I just had this sense of like, is it, was it all in the 80s? Like, is that what happened? And that's a question I have. Is film greatness, quote unquote, a thing that's already passed for Canadian filmmakers? Mm, or is well, there a future? I have to say, I, I'm not Sylvia Brown. You're not Sylvia Brown? But I yeah, thought you it, were. Did, it did. It did seem like uh, most of those films were yeah, seventies, eighties. Yeah, like the majority of them, or nineties, I guess there were a few too. But yeah, um, okay. What we'll talk more about like high-grossing Canadian films. I think more like Paul grossing. <laughs> exactly. More Actually, right. let's talk about that now. Okay. So I also looked at the list of the ten highest-grossing Canadian films. Uh huh. Most of which, again. I've not seen or heard of. Really? So, number 10 is The Dead Zone from 1983, which was a, tw- a box office total of $20 million. Okay. A History of Violence from 2005. I remember this. $30 million. That, This a, one I have heard of. Is that a Cronenberg? Yeah, I think so. Or is it Denis? Uh, I'll look that one up. I meant to write the director for all these, but I, I didn't. Yeah, I feel like in my heart it's Cronenberg. We'll look it up. Uh, the Fly from 1986, Ooh. which does feature... Our beloved husband, um, Gina Davis. <laughs> yes, <laughs> our spouse, Gina Davis. Yeah, what's his nuts? Yeah, um, you know, Tall you know Gangly. Yeah, who am I talking? Glasses. About? Why can't I think of it? I don't know. It's oh, a- that's really gonna bother me. We'll come back to that. Ja, uh, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, ja. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, Good Brooklyn, work. forty million. Brooklyn meatballs. 43 million, which just, I can't. What's Meatballs? Wait, I think I... Meatballs is the one about summer camp, I think. Oh, okay. Or is that Porky's? 
Well, Porky's, I, can't keep I believe, them straight. is about Pervy High School. Okay, yeah, so Meatballs, I think, is about summer products. camp. Oh. And then Porky's, spoiler alert, is number two. Um, the Hurricane from 1999, 50 million. Resident Evil Afterlife from 2010, 60 million. Uh, very Canadian. But also, like, who, tone. Six, they made $60 million on that movie? Mama from 2013. Is that a scary movie? Yes, and I believe it was a co-production with, like, Spain. Oh, about a Because ghost. there are a couple of those. Ghost Mom. Yeah. Got it. Porky's, 1982, $111 million, and coming in at number one, uh, par- probably the most important Canadian film. BFG Wedding. My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah, I knew 240 that. mil. Are you surprised by that list? Um, I, I'll, uh, Some of it I am surprised. Obviously, the... The myth of BFG Wedding as, like, the little film that could. Yeah. I knew that that would probably be top of it. But, like, a random Resident Evil sequel. <laughs> I love like, that. That's is, weird. That's maybe the most Canadian thing. Yeah. They were like, just like, I like, I like that. I like that. Um, and all the, yeah, perv- <laughs> pervy high schoolers. <laughs> pervy teens. We also ran into that as well. Yeah. Another. And then horror movies. Which I think is interesting. Oh. Um, what Canadian movies did you watch this week? I actually watched one from each of those lists without even really meaning to. Amazing. Tell me about them, please. Um, so I watched Stories We Tell. Uh-huh. Um, which is the Sarah Paula, Sarah Polly documentary from 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, that Tiff so graciously put put on that list. That was so sweet of her. That was nice. Um, basically, uh, it's Sarah Polly. Um, interviewing, she's fully in the, the documentary. Mm-hmm. She's not, she's not, you know. There's no distance there. There's no distance. She interviews all of her siblings and her father and her family friends and trying to piece together and like eventually reveals a bit of an explosive revelation about right. her life and her parentage. Um, it's basically, it's like Mamma Mia, but the real story. Yeah. <laughs> IRL. It's wild. And a lot more dramatic and personal. It's so personal. And like, all of her siblings are just like, Sarah, why are you doing this? And her yeah. dad's just like, ooh. It's yeah. like, just like hearing them sort of talk to each other is so intimate and like awkward, but also super loving. And like, when she came over to visit him, he was like, her dad's kind of a weirdo. Um, he was just like, I cleaned my place from top to bottom. I even swatted my fly. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he's had this fly that he's been living with. As uh, one does. Yeah. Because uh, he also is kind of a lonely, lonely man. Mm. But um, basically, she, her mom died when she was young, and most of her siblings had were older. So basically, it was her and her and her dad were the only two. They had a very close relationship. Mm-hmm. And they just uh, were against the world together. And then as she got older, all these jokes and things started being revealed about the one time that her mom uh, went to Montreal to film a play, or film, but, like, be in a play. <laughs> yeah. And just, like, had a bunch of close friends there. Yeah. And that there was all these rumors that she had affairs with some of those people. Mm-hmm. And that they were like, oh, Sarah, you look like him, or blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And then... It like eventually came out to be true that she, the mom, did have an affair while she was in Montreal, and she did not know who the father was, and then died of cancer right after. Yeah. So, it's basically Sarah going on a bit of a journey to see, to interview those people and who could possibly be up in there. Right. And it's just like, yeah, it's sort of a weird story about how you like a small piece of human drama can just have these long consequences Mm -hmm. or like uh, cast a big shadow on everything like all of her siblings are just like even when they found out about uh her dad being someone that they didn't expect him to be like all of the siblings divorced their husbands like yeah right away yeah um just you know uh and what was i trying to say oh and also there's a very there's a very funny image that uh, they painted where Sarah had just sort of figured out who her new dad was. Mm-hmm. Not new dad, but her... <laughs> Old dad, new revelation. Who dis, yeah. Yeah, and old so dad who dis. She figured out who her uh, who her actual father was. Um, and she, they're, they're just 
living in that. They're kind of celebrating, getting used to it. A reporter calls her while she's filming something. She's in full Neanderthal lady oh, right. costume. She's like got prosthetic eyes and forehead on. And they are trying to see if they can write a story about it. And she's like sobbing, calling them on the phone, saying like, you can't do it. I haven't even told my dad yet. Oh, my God. Wow, she's in a full bizarro lady I forgot costume. about that part because I haven't seen it in a few years. It's really trippy and weird. But yeah, it was Does really... Does it feel... Did, did it, do you feel like it captures any elements of Canadian film? Um, yeah, like there, the whole thing is... There's some the interviews and things are filmed with, uh, um, you know, up to date digital stuff. But then yeah. she also does just like on a little handheld yeah. thing. She does a lot of um, behind the scenes grainy shots and like tries to. She has some recreations of uh, an actress playing her mom right. and her siblings when they were you know in the 70s and like her dancing at a house party mm-hmm. and so yeah i i guess that sort of grainy film quality is all over the nfb website which yeah. is where i got where i watched this on yeah um and yeah i guess just sort of the i don't know why but it's just like the intimacy and even the presence of sarah polly herself who is so just right, like she's an icon yeah just like road to avonlea like baby that i remember yeah when i was a kid also, too, I guess, like, some of the stuff about, like, identity and some of that, like, uncertainty, I feel like those are often themes in Canadian film. Like, just that, like, sense of, like, what, who are we? Mm-hmm. The stories we tell is could be, like, a thing, like, could be a movie about Canada. Like, the totally. stories we tell about ourselves as Canadians, which is something that I, st- I find very interesting still. Like, this weird... I feel like Canadians, we, like, almost lack an identity in a way. Yes, totally. So, I, yeah, that's something I was thinking And this about. is why we cling to f- such stupid things, like <laughs> like uh, a corporation, like Tim Hortons. Right. That's what we do. We're obsessed. That's what we are. We're all obsessed. Police. <laughs> Police with funny outfits. That's yeah. us. A beaver. Like, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, beavers, maple leaves. These are, th- like, maple syrup. Being nice. These are things that are, yeah, why... Like, it's not, we're not. We're, we're not. not nice. We're not a nice country in many ways. I don't have maple syrup in my fridge. You I do. don't? I do. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, but that's just normal. That's rude. Like, that's just, it's just yummy. Um, I watched, so like, yeah, okay, I feel like in going through the NFB's website, um, I noticed that there are like several categories that are the most prominent. Like, it's like documentaries, um, horror movies, interestingly, although there aren't a ton of those on NFB specifically, but I feel like that is something that Canadians make a lot. Um, Like, historical dramas. Mm -hmm. And then, I think I had a fourth category, like, like, uh, questions of conflict, or like war, or difficult stuff like that. Sort of more intellectual films. Um, So one that I watched, uh, which was on Netflix, is a horror movie called Lavender. Oh. Starring Abby Cornish, who hilariously is Australian, <laughs> and Justin Long, who is American. But the director... Justin Long gives big Canadian energy, He though. seriously gives Canadian... Like, there are those Americans who you're like, mm, you're related you to be. us somehow. Yeah. Um, the director, the screenwriter, it's based on a play, and the guy who wrote the play, they're all Canadian. I think I totaled it up, and it had like eight points or something out of the ten, and six is what it... Sorry, for, from the CRTC's point system. Mm-hmm. And six is what it takes to be like a Canadian film. So this was firmly a Canadian Firm. film. Um, as opposed to Just Friends, which I also rewatched just for giggles and other things. Did you giggle? Like twice, but not really. And then I looked after, and based on the CRTC's point system, it only had like two points. So it does not count as a Canadian oh, film. Oh, no. You were. Um, wasted a good just friends viewing. <laughs> no, it was not worth my time. But <laughs> Lavender was interesting. It wasn't very good. What's it which, about? Um, a killer Okay, color. so Abby Cornish is this woman. She's got blonde hair. I don't know why Checks that's important. <laughs> um, she is obsessed with photographing like old spooky houses. And then basically it's revealed that she has this repressed memory of something really bad that happened in her house growing up. Um there may be murder involved. And then there are ghosts. And she goes back to the house. She starts seeing this therapist. Yada, yada, yada. 
ghosts, things are revealed. Ghosts. It's the end. It's the end? It's like, yeah, it's pretty wild. It's a pretty wild film. Is Justin Long her therapist? Je- well, is he a ghost? should I spoil it? Well, I feel like everyone, fast forward a minute. Okay, fast forward a minute. I'm going to spoil basically the whole of Lavender, which is that she, so it's kind of unclear, but I think it's that she's hallucinating Justin Long and Justin Long was actually her dad who she, that sort of throughout the film, it like leads you to believe that her dad was abusing her sister and that he killed the whole family. (gasps) Spoiler alert. Dark. But it was actually, spoiler alert, her uncle, uncle Dermot Mulroney, who's still around. And so the ghost of her father manifests for her and, like, is trying to pull her back so that she'll figure all this out so that the spirits of her murdered family uh, can rest in peace. And how come the uncle didn't kill her? She got away. But then the uncle's like, I guess we'll just... The uncle just chill. acted... Okay, so I think the story that everyone believed... If you've tuned back in and skipped ahead, I'm still spoiling it a bit. We're still spoiling Lavender. Um, The story that everyone believed is that, like, her mom went crazy and murdered the whole family or her dad. Oh. Maybe her dad did. (laughs) In this, I can't. It wasn't a very compelling film or cohesive. So I'm skipping some details for sure. But it, like, the whole town, like, basically thought that one of the murdered parents had been the ones to, like, lose it and kill everyone but actually it was the uncle mm. slash sort of anyway that's like i feel like that that sounds like the plot of martha may marlene yeah kind of whatever whatever that four names are. um it was it felt like a movie i've seen before yeah and the acting wasn't spectacular but it was fine that cornish hen didn't put, didn't put out she did okay okay you know with what she was given um yeah, I would give it like a four, five out of ten. But it felt very Canadian. <laughs> so I was like, and it had very much that sense of like, that kind of isolate, because she's obsessed with these old houses, these old empty houses. It's very much that like, isolation, like, sinister, wide open spaces that, Ooh. you know, are kind of, a lot of Canadian films have because of our relationship to nature in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. Just Friends, on the other hand does not hold up whatsoever is there any sinister isolation in just friends (laughs) like the sinister isolation of a man from his humanity (laughs) um i remember when they were filming that here my friend uh rachel i don't know where she lives i don't know where she's at right now but i remember she was like a a random backup actor for Mm -hmm. And she said Anna Ferris was very fun and yeah. like wanted to like go out and dance with them. And that Amy Smart was a real rude <gasps> bee. Yikes. She, Amy Smart, you're cold out. Cold out. Ten years later. Yeah, wow. Fifteen. Yeah, pretty much fifteen. That's the wild thing is it came out in 2005. That's wild. So it's almost 15 years old. But it feels that way when you watch it. <laughs> like the fat jokes alone are endless yeah i remember that fat suit situation and And just the whole thing of like just it's just it's founded on the premise of like the friend zone which we've all moved past well not all of us many of us have moved past in the year 2019 you know um it's okay if a woman just wants to be your friend that's valuable too just friends is can be nice it can like you and i exactly we're just friends we've never been friend zoned but (laughs) maybe we should (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I think it was just from the, the get-go. Yeah. We were in the friend zone, and we loved it. Yeah. And we loved it. But yeah. <laughs> loved it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that one That one only had, like, two points. Like, I think, like, the director of photography or something was um, Canadian. Oh, the DP. And then, like, Ryan Reynolds technically gives it a point. But they came here to film it because of the tax credit, which is now gone. So. Which is so sad. Yeah. And. Yeah. I also used to work side by side with in the film industry until I got cut. Yeah. And I had a really fun, weird job. <laughs> but R.I.P. Were you in production? Um, I was, did research. I did a I did costuming for a bit for a few things, but I mostly researched for uh, a crime uh, series called Crime Stories. Right. And we've talked I about that. 
basically researched serial killers all day, and it really messed me up for a while. <laughs> I mean, that's like what I do on my spare time, so... There's like a fact that I remember so specifically where... Um, some most serial killers will like bike slowly down hiking trails and like see you running or whatever and they'll bike past you but then they'll circle back to get you while they like will check scope you out on the bike and then come back and get you what so then when i'm hiking or something if i'm jogging and someone slowly saddles by on a bike i like take a quick veer in a different direction for real yeah because i remember that Oh, that's terrible. Anyway, that's my hint to all of you. That's Stay a, safe. That's Don't a hot safety tip. Yeah. Courtesy of us. Of a pro. Yeah. An old pro. An old pro of e- serial killers. Evading killer serial killers to this day. Um, did I finish talking about Lavender? I guess I did. Yeah, I think... There wasn't a lot there. No. Maybe the play would be, would be interesting. Yeah, I was curious about the play because a lot of it was like flashback and a lot of it was ghost related. So I don't know how you would do it with a play, really, unless you had some very high-tech a really, elements. A really classic stage ploy is to just throw a big, heavy sheet over someone <laughs> and paint two black holes on it. Ooh. That's how they really effectively show ghosts on stage. <laughs> that is, again, you're full of hot tips today, I'm full of really good production <laughs> tips. Just a heavy sheet, but it has to be a heavy sheet. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes if you'll see, light, if you see your people's little feet poking out from the bottom. Oh it's no, not no, right. no. It that's be, it. Just takes you right out. Yeah, long and heavy is the way to go. <laughs> I always say that. Make sure that thread count is big. <laughs> okay, well, we are going to take a quick break here on spoiler alert. We'll be back to talk more Canadian films, but first we're gonna go. I don't know. Eat a maple donut. Ooh. Commit genocide against indigenous people. Like, no, we won't do that. We <laughs> and then tap a tree. <laughs> and then some other fun Canadian stereotypes. We'll be right back on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. I'm your lady host, Sonia Stanger. I'm here with Sean Denham. Hello. Canadian guy extraordinaire. <laughs> yes, Canadian guy. It's just the two of us today, and we're feeling a little rainy and sleepy. But we're we talking are. about Canadian movies, so that's okay. During that break, we both just powered down. <laughs> we both just sat both in silence. at our feet. But we're here for you, yeah. listeners, and we're doing our best. Um, hey, Sean, do you know... Um, what time it is? Well, it's after the equinox, so mm-hmm. it's about it's nearing the fall. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's not. Thank goodness, it's not nearing the fall. <laughs> but you know what it is? What is it? It's game time, people. <gasps> Hong Kong. That's a Canadian goose. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I think that was so funny? I don't know. Uh, the game is where our co-host Jeremy spends all week looking for the title of a film relevant to our theme. We guess what we think the movie is about yeah. jeremy tells us what it's really about and we all just have a nice time uh-huh. but jeremy's, what's gonna happen today <laughs> jeremy's not here but he did send in a title for us to guess and i have the wikipedia page open on my phone but i haven't read to it be yet. opened so i'm gonna scroll uh, scroll scroll upright. scroll and tell us what it's and about after we guess. figure it out okay i hope i'm ready uh, you can i have that. it poised i think uh the title of today's film is i've heard the mermaids singing I've heard the mermaids singing. That's a good title. Would you like me to go first? Sure. So I think this is about a young woman growing up in, let's say, small town, Ontario. Of course. And every summer, her family goes to a lake all summer, as many Canadians do. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very quiet lakefront community. Like, there's no other, There's there aren't that many other people around. Would you say eerie? It's, Michigan? it's a bit eerie. Oh. No. So eerie it's and a lake. Bit eerie and it's a bit in <laughs> lake and mood. You're on. Uh, yeah. Are you hearing me? Hearing me? <laughs> wow. Well, I tried it. Um, and this young woman has like a very rich inner life. She's a bit of an outcast at school. Mm. Um, and then one day she hears some weird sounds coming from a like quiet corner of the lake, Oof. and she goes to investigate. And guess what, Sean? It's mermaids. <gasps> And the mermaids teach her all about uh, the wonders and difficulties of the world. And maybe there's some conflict where, like, someone wants to do some clear-cut logging or some kind of resource development. uh But it's going to impinge on the mermaids' territory, and so they need her help. And it's probably, like, some big metaphor for uh, environmental preservation. 100%. Which Canadian films love to have. Yeah. 
So it just takes a lot of boxes. Maybe Sarah Pauly's in it. I bet she's popping around. She's in it. She can play an evil, like, log worker. <laughs> she's like the four, four, four woman. Four person. Of the team. Yeah, so that's what I think I've heard the mermaid singing is about. Well, don't you feel superior, Sonia? <laughs> Okay, so uh, I think that it's about um, a motel, a motel, <laughs> a Motown girl group Ooh, called the Mermaids. Cute. Who had a big rise in popularity, but then, um, then fell into the uh, footnotes of music history. Uh-huh. And this is a documentary interviewing all of the people around that meteoric rise. Are they Canadian? They are Canadian. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, Sean. Um, hot Motown Canadian sound. I love it. It's beautiful. <laughs> we were both so close in no way, shape, or form. No. Because the, I've heard... Actually, I don't know yet, but I don't think we were. <laughs> uh, I've heard the mermaid singing is about an absent-minded photographer, Polly. Not Sarah Polly. Sheila, Sheila McCarthy. Polly Shore? Lands a job at an art gallery in Toronto operated by a woman named Gabrielle. Gabrielle tells Polly she regrets she never became a great painter. Polly is impressed yeah, with Gabrielle's <laughs> paintings, however, and after she smuggles one into a gallery show, a critic praises it as a masterpiece. But when it turns out to be the work of Gabrielle's lover, <gasps> Polly begins to understand how the world of art works. Oh. At first I was about to be like, sounds Canadian because it sounds boring. <laughs> and then I was like, ooh, that spies. intrigue. Also, uh, lesbians. Is Gabrielle's Gabrielle's lover. lover is a woman, Anne Marie McDonald. Anne Marie McDonald plays yeah. her lover. She does. Wow. So that's like a mega comedian comedian. That is a mega comedian <laughs> Canadian comedian. movie. Taking a lot of <laughs> Margaret Lawrence plays Gabrielle. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a Paul. It's it's Paul with an e on the end, and she's a woman. Oh, Jean. Oh, French. Paul, We're talking French. Paul Bergeon. Yeah. Well, that sounds, sounds like it. Sounds... I would watch it, honestly. Oh, I'm into it. It only has a 6.9% 6.9 on IMDb, but 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. What? 100%? Is it just because no one's seen it rated it? Every person that has rated it has said it yet? All 12 fi- film fans wow. have done it. Um, Did you watch any other Canadian films this week, Sean? Oh, did I ever? Oh, boy. I watched a very small artistic Niche. art house film called My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Always a lump. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, that's, that's my favorite. That scene is actually one of the top like top scenes captured on film. Truly. Is when uh Andrea what's her last name? I don't know. I, w- I had it and then we're I lost so, it. We're so dumb. Andrea I, I'm getting Martin. Thank you. Um she plays a Greek aunt, Ugh. a pushy Greek aunt. She's amazing. And she's just telling a story about how a lump on her neck and how she gets the bibopsy <laughs> and they find <laughs> they find teeth and a spinal cord. But- <laughs> and it's like it's honestly one of the funniest monologues it's I have ever seen. Like, okay, because Andrea Martin is like it's so funny to me that non Canadians probably don't really know who she is. Because yeah. she's one of our truly great comedic character actors. Oh, she, yeah, she's an. As icon. soon as you see her, you're like, oh, antics are about Things to ensue. Are going it's down. gonna be silly. Yeah, like she's just brilliant. She's so silly. Which is, yeah, she's the perfect addition to this movie. She was. She pops in. She, every time you see her, she's like doing a little dance, a little scoot, yeah. or she's like. Uh, she's just giving so much. She's yeah, the best. She's the best. Anyway, um, I did not know that Nia Verdalis was from Winnipeg. Did you? Oh, yes, I did. Okay, so this film mm-hmm. is adapted from Nia Verdalis's one woman show. Right. Which, picture it, Rita Wilson out <gasps> on the town. She goes to a one woman show by Nia Verdalis. She goes home and she says, husband, Tom Hanks, <gasps> we should produce a film Wow. with this story. And then Nia Verdalos writes it, as she already did, basically, and it's a huge hit. And the rest is Is that not the most amazing story ever? I always say, 
Rita Wilson needs, we need to get Rita Wilson's eyes on this. Rita Wilson has a great eye. Let's get her out. She knows what's what. She saw it and she was like, the world needs to hear this story. I can just see her in that audience. Me too. Rolling on the floor laughing. Me too. Clapping. Oh. Just moved to tears. Moved. So the big, my big fat Greek wedding for people that don't know of yeah. it. Yeah. Which like. You probably know of maybe it. Maybe you're a new Canadian and you don't know. I, that I, that's fine. Right. Um, but that's the only exception. I hope, I hope you're not Greek because you might be offended. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> because I watched this with Christy Sotsman, friend uh-huh. of the show, and she's like, this makes Greek men look like complete idiots. Yeah. <laughs> like either a full idiot or a schlub. Yeah. Maybe both. Or full misogynist. Yeah. And the a lot of the first half of it is about the way that Greek women manipulate men. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's just like... Uh, I, maybe it's just dated. I'm not sure, but it, it was very like we pretend this, we do this, yeah. and then he is like putting our hands. It um, it is yeah. I don't know. It's a very sort of relatable old country sensibility for many of us who who are like maybe third, fourth generation. Like there is that sort like you know I could very much picture some of my older Ukrainian relatives talking in similar ways. Yeah, just you like, know. Manipulating men is a touchstone of our heritage. Right. And I get it. Yeah. Um, and yes, so she meets a very handsome wasp mm-hmm. uh, named Ian, like, Smith or something <laughs> yeah, like so. Yeah. Played by John Corbett with yeah. long hair. And... He's kind of dreamy. Antics ensue. It's hilarious. Major family drama. Uh, food hilariousness. Bunt. bunt. <laughs> a bunt cake. <laughs> yeah, his waspy parents loosen up with yeah. this big brash family. It's very cute. Do you know what's not cute, though? What? Is the sequel that Christy and I also went to. And? <laughs> um, the plot of that one is that the parents discover that they are not married through a bit of a trickiness uh, with a priest or something. <laughs> and then so... <laughs> a little difficulty with a priest. The mom's like, I'm a hippie. <laughs> We're not married. Do they go to Greece? Um, no, I don't believe they go to Greece. Not that I remember. You might be thinking of my life in ruins. <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> Another of Nia Verdalis's. I definitely writing. am. Also, Connie and Carla. Oh my God, you're right. She's just got stories to tell. She does. The um, stories we tell. The stories we tell, and they are ridiculous. Anyway, this one, uh, this is what N- Nia Verdalis and. John Corbett are like 20 years older. They have a 17 year old daughter. She hates the family, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Nia is fully her mom. Um, it's actually, it's so terrible. I can't actually really go into it. Um, John Corbett aged bad. Nia Verdalis aged amazingly. Yeah. Um, there's also a scene that the scene sticks out for a number of reasons, mostly because when it happened, the theater that we were in was dead silent. <gasps> Nia Verdalis sees uh, John Corbett sleeping. She smiles. She leans in to give him a kiss goodnight. He opens his eyes and he goes, whoa, whoa, and scares her. And she's like, ah, and then he falls off the bed. It's so stupid. Is that supposed to be funny? I don't know. You could hear a pin drop in our theater. Oh, that's Except so Except for bad. my friend, Christy, who fully was rolling in the aisles, uh-huh. laughing. <laughs> I love Christy so much. It's uh, it happens. We love you, Christy. It happens a few times in in the theaters where she the audience is it. not receiving it, and she is fully receiving it. Having been in that position once or twice before myself, receiving <laughs> yeah. what others are not, I I stand in solidarity with these oats. Yeah. Um, great. Yeah. Ten out of ten. So ten out of ten for the original. Zero out of ten for the sequel. This is the thing is I don't know why, but literally everyone in this country saw the movie. It made so much money. The second one? No, the first one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because we all got real swept up in this Canadian a movie, a hometown hero, a hometown hero, just one province over. Yeah. We love it, and really Canadians are a bit obsessed with our like old country roots as well. Mm-hmm. So like the story of immigrant parents being wacky we're in it's gold it's a, gold it's a canadian line. story it's all the time and we're like the, the, the windex thing also oh, just like the weirdest is, quirk but it's in just my family part. it's vix vapor rub oh yeah my mother will put that on anything <laughs> food wise as well <laughs> yep, that's a nice I little thing no it's shocking it does actually kind of work which is the worst part oh no um I 
was hoping to watch some movies that we talked about last year that I was feeling guilty about not having watched. I did not do it. No, but, we're not those people. We're but, not those people that take advice. For like for as long as we've been doing the show, Jeremy has been telling us about one of his favorite filmmakers, Norm McLaren. Yes. Now, luckily for us, the National Film Board exists. Also loves Norm McLaren. Loves Norm McLaren so much of his work. So I watched a short. Yeah. yeah. See that? See how I did that? Called Neighbors by Norm McLaren. Oh my God, that's also on Out TV. Yes, from 1953. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. It's very cute. It's very cute, but also like dark, but so interesting. Mm-hmm. It was very, in- it was a very interesting short film, which I didn't expect myself to say. I can see why Jeremy loves him. Welcome to shorts, honey. Yeah, right. I like it. It's like a short story. <laughs> Me, an English major. <laughs> it's like a short story in movie form. Um, basically, it's these two guys who live in like cardboard houses next to each other. It's like very stylized in stop motion. It's from 1952, which I thought was interesting. Which is kind of incredible. Um, and then they, uh, this like flower sprouts up right in between their two houses, and they begin to obsess over it and fight over it. And I saw it as, I think it's a metaphor for capitalism and like nationalism and war, sort mm-hmm. of, and like the way we destroy the things we love and care about and cherish in pursuit of like dominance and the things and and like the things we want um but it, yeah it really evoked a lot of thoughts and feelings in just like seven minutes yeah um so jeremy you're welcome hats off to you <laughs> our mounty hats off to you jeremy you're welcome that i finally watched one short film from your favorite filmmaker <laughs> uh i'll probably watch more next is uh captain Ron. <laughs> Captain Ron is on the list, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, just quickly, before we go into what you're watching, yeah. we talk about TV now, Sean, on this I year's show. I love television. Right. We both are big TV heads. TV heads. <laughs> That's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, what are some of your favorite Canadian TV shows? Okay. So when I was a, a little wee BB, uh-huh. um, all we had... Uh, on the farm was CBC and CTV. Right. Farmer uh, vision, as we sometimes call it. I know vision. that's offensive. It's how rude, but we were farmers and that's the only vision we had. Yeah. Um, but uh, I love, I wa- love CBC. I watch yeah. so much CBC. Same. And This Hour Has 22 Minutes and Air Farce were my biggest go to. Important. I was the only 12 year old in the world. Like rolling on the floor laughing at a Belinda Stronic joke. <laughs> or if like, only you and I had been pals, Shawnee, at me that just time. just making Stockwell Day one-liners. Yeah. People just like, what are you talking about? Oh, my God, exactly. Um, anyway, I think, I think that they really informed my personality and a lot of, like, my comedy and humor is just from these, like, yeah. sort of newfy, like, sketch shows. I love it. I love it so much. Um, and, yeah, uh, and now I watch... I will take a peek at Shit's Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, that's S-C-H-I-T-T. a title. I T T. Also, Baroness von Sketch is Ugh, very funny. Everything. These are these are gals that I think I love. Okay, isn't it? I don't like when there's something Canadian or like regional where you're like, I have to jump in feet first and I have to defend it because yeah. it's going to be if it's bad, it's embarrassing. Yeah, and it's not bad. It's Ugh. really it's very funny. I like that. Yeah, it's like. Middle-aged women from Toronto doing sketch comedy, and and a bunch of them are queer. And like queer sketch comedy, yeah. And like just, just like effortlessly making it wonderful. It's Uh, so good. And I also, when I was a kid, watched Kenny vs. Spenny, which I have no, I have no idea if it holds out. Probably not. Oh, absolutely, it does not. I can say that definitively, not having seen it in probably ten years. You don't think doing acid and wearing an octopus on your head holds up? But we loved it. But we did love it. And there it. is something very Canadian about Kenny versus Spenny. Totally. Because we feel like we're Kenny. Underdogs. We're, we're all like, Kenny. <laughs> we want to defeat Spenny. Or is it the other way around? I don't even know which I is think which. we're Spenny, but we think we're Kenny. Oh, yeah. Or like we... Kenny's the funny bad one. Spenny's the stick in the mud, right? Yeah. But the one that always is like trying to win by the rules. Yeah. Um, and then also, I feel like Orphan Black and Corner Gas... Yeah. Things that I, Canadian films that I like, or t- television I like. Also, honorable mentions, everything you said, fully endorse and agree with. Um, also have to mention, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Ooh, yes. Important. Scary. Scary. Honey. The Littlest Hobo, <laughs> which um, you famously have not watched. I have. 
Oh, not famously <laughs> then. <laughs> no, I've watched. I redact my former statement and but, apologize to the member across the floor. Yeah, I don't know if it's... It's not anything that sticks in my mind that much. The only thing mm. is, is the earworm of the theme song, which is the best. So and good. I would cover that. And it was just so... Uh, that show stressed me out so much as a kid because I'd always be like, the dog's in peril, Mom! And she'd be like, well, it's the show about the dog. She'd like, be like, no, the kids okay. and the boss are in peril. Yeah, exactly. The, the dog is in charge, honey. Them. Also, like, oh, how many dogs they must have gone through. Oh, um, my God. Road to Avonlea, which you already mentioned. Yeah. Love. Just anything and Anne of Green Gables. Oh, at that time, there was so many, like, wind at my back. Yeah. Anne with an E. Or, like, Anne of Green Gables, just straight up. <laughs> there was so many just, like, this is the time period. Yeah. Y'all can just go We were obsessed. It. Yeah. As a country, we're also pretty obsessed. And also, okay, I met a man once who... Oh, yeah. Sorry, this is... Anyway, he's not from Canada, yeah. and he was like, oh, yeah, I know Canada, being Erica, right? And I was like, <laughs> I what are you talking about? And he's like, I love being Erica. I watch being Erica all the time. And I was like, I've not seen a second of being Erica. That show was wild. Didn't she time travel? It's like I read the plot today and was like, this is insanity. Yeah, she, they like her therapist like sends her back in time to do to, re, to Redo fix moments in her life. Had. It sounds insane. It does sound insane, but also... It's it's really funny when a little Canadian show like that does kind of get a like niche audience that people a bunch of people who are obsessed with it abroad because that happens. <laughs> um, I haven't watched this yet, but people keep telling me to, and maybe one day I'll get to it. Kim's Convenience. Oh yeah, important. I've seen clips and they look very. We stand immigrant stories fun. in this country. That's what we do. Yeah. Uh, now it is time for a little segment we call "What You Watching." What you watching, Sean? What? Are you watching? Oh, I have a bit of a Canadian connection in, <gasps> Love. in when I was watching. So I went to see Toy Story 4 in <gasps> theater. You did? I did. How was it? It was very cute. Yeah. I They did they did it well. I, w I didn't know what I was expecting because it's a little bit... I w the third one, I was kind of like, I don't really care. But, like, these stories are teensy bit old. But they did a quick rebrand. Not rebrand, but they... they um, Lil Bo Peep... As mm -hmm. you might remember, they start her up as that she was taken away a long time ago. Mm -hmm. They're like nine years earlier. She was taken away. And then since then, she's been kind of living as this like Mad Max Fury Road, like Bo Peep gal. Like she doesn't, have a, she doesn't have a kid. She just like, like is like a warrior on the road. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, and so they, you know, they all live with Bonnie now. There's no Andy. And um, and so all of the main characters that you kind of know all bit of take a bit of a a background. Oh yeah. And you meet just like Bo Peep and her world, and a couple new characters like he and Peel play these like um, a a bunny and a chicken or like a chick stuffed plush that are stuck in a a carnival that they freed, and they're like tied together. <laughs> <laughs> they're very, That's they're very, very funny because they're so cute and I they're love so those rank. Um, yeah, that was very funny. What else? Oh, I forgot to tell the ex plot of this, which right. is um, it's about a fork that the child Bonnie created at her school. She just tied pipe cleaner arms and put eyes onto a fork uh -huh. and gave it, granted it life, and now <gasps> it's a toy. So it's, it's like, sort of it, this like. It's question like, of existence? That's the thing is, I that feel like meta. all of the millennials that the first Toy Stories appeal to yeah. now are like adults going through a full existential crisis. Yeah. And they're like, this is exactly what you guys will relate to. This anxiety of like, hilarious. where am I? What am I doing? Yeah. What's my job? What's my purpose? What's my job? And yeah, the purpose is like, now you're a toy. That's your purpose. Whoa. It's so, that's mind blowing a little bit. Yeah. It's like, cause she's playing with you. Now you're a toy. Whoa. It's bizarre and kind of crazy. That's complicated. Played by Tony Hale, who does great. Oh, that's perfect. Um, also, I forgot to say that Annie Potts, 70 plus year old Annie Potts yeah. is the Bo Peep voice. <gasps> Isn't that surprising? I love that, though. And you meet a new cast of characters. We go to an antique store where we meet a bunch of really creepy ventriloquist like dolls. Oh, no. And Christina Hendricks plays a really scary doll named Gabby Gabby, who's trying to steal 
Woody's voice box, so she'll be more appealing. It's it's God. a great it's a great little film, and I yeah. suggest you see. It's, it's really time. Cute. It's time for me to see it. I, it's I time. will. Will I cry? Oh, I cried. I fully cried. Toy Story three almost killed me. It won't kill I cried you. So much. But I I did I did cry. Oh, I won't. Man. I won't beat around that bush. Like. I know we're supposed to be mad about sequels and remakes forever, but this franchise truly seems to be able to do no wrong. It's got your heart. Have they really keep reinventing it? What I'm watching is a little TV program. I, I say it like mm-hmm. that uh, from uh, that started in 2017 called The Sinner. I have heard, which had not really ever been on my radar. Um, I don't know why, because I do like a little mystery. Murdery crime drama, mm-hmm. which is what this is, and the trailer was very engaging. I remember yes, watching that. But it just—I think I just kind of missed it. And then someone recently was like, "You should watch this." And so I have now watched almost all of the first season. There are now two seasons, and I believe they're kind of two separate stories. Um, only eight episodes, so I was like, "This is almost like, like a that. British series, like how they do it, um, of like fewer but longer episodes." That's what um, kind of should be a little more. I'm inclined to agree, and it's very effective. Um, so, it's Jessica Biel, who we may know did recently have some controversy about being maybe an anti-vaxxer. So oh, we're really? not sure about Jessica Biel, but she's really good in this show. Um, and she basically, okay, so spoiler alert for the sinner. But this is, like, how it starts. She murders this guy on a beach, just, like, kind of out of nowhere. She just sta- starts stabbing him. And then, basically, the whole rest of the season is figuring out why that happened. And it is not what you would guess. I will tell you that right now. I have one episode left to go, and it... It's keeping you guessing. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Bill Pullman plays the, like, grizzled, like, worn-out detective who's figuring her out. Do. And he is so perfect. Um, it's dark. It's uh, kind of steamy. Ooh. It's uh, you probably won't like it if you're. Well, I don't know. It, it, it raises some questions about certain sects of Christianity. Sorry, sects, sects. <laughs> sects, sects. Oh, um, so like the sinner is. It's sort of yeah. Basically, her mom was really, really religious, and some stuff happens because of that. Um, but yeah, I'm in the bag. Maybe I'll watch the second season. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll try it and see. But the center's got me. Dang, sounds it's interesting. It's got its hooks in me. And then I'll probably just, you know, forget all about it in like six months. Well, which is sad, but it was nice while it lasted. That's the fate of television. Yeah. And Jessica Biel, like, I don't know. I wouldn't have said that she's like one of my favorite actors or anything. But she's very compelling. She's a little bit one of those people that's just like, I've always been here. Mm-hmm. And I might always be here. Yeah. She's like a little cockroach. Yeah. She does a lot of good face stuff. Oh, she has a great face. Like, yeah, like kind of a weird, like not weird as in anything wrong with it, but just like interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Sean, we didn't really survey Canadian films today. No, we're not great. But we did talk about that. that. (laughs) We're not good at staying on theme because you know what? Identities are complex. As stories we tell taught us, as uh, my big fat Greek wedding taught us. Exactly. As Toy Story teaches us. As Toy Story teaches us, identity, so it shall be. Identity is hard to pin down. Exactly. And so next week, we're doing American movies. And I have to bid you all adieu because... Sean is I, very anti-American and therefore I'm very anti-American and I'm taking a stance. Just kidding. He's busy. I'm actually in a show, but you should all come see... But I don't know if I'm allowed to plug it. I know. I'm like, oh, message maybe me. not. <laughs> message me and I'll tell you what Message show. the show and we'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you so much to Saskatoon's The Garys for the use of our theme song, Manituna. We'd like to thank everyone here at the station for everything they do to keep this beautiful community radio station going. Um, thank all of you for listening. We're live Wednesdays at 6, rebroadcast Friday mornings at 9, and we are available as a podcast on CGTR's website and anywhere you get your podcasts, including like Spotify, Google, iTunes, I don't know, whatever people use to get podcasts. Exactly. We will be back next week. You've been listening to Spoiler Alert. Goodbye. Bye. eh?